John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. continue with part two of what I started with last week. Last week I told you to turn there and I promise you in my notes it just simply says review the chapter or actually it says survey the chapter and out beside it I wrote on there quickly. Well that didn't happen last week. Uh, We wound up spending our entire time together just surveying the chapter and Uh, So today I want to jump right in here to Acts chapter number 13. It kind of goes along even with today's D6 theme. Last week our D6 theme was the good news and how we need to learn how to share the freedom that we have in Christ. But uh, as you look in Acts chapter 13, you'll find that it goes along even with today's D6 theme, which is persecution. And you're going to find that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas And those that were sharing and preaching the gospel uh, had some persecution come their way. And today I want to talk to you just briefly once again. I won't say briefly. I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Scratch that. I just want to talk to you out of Acts chapter 13 and share with you what I feel uh, God's laid on my heart to share. You know, I really, on Father's Day, I really love to preach um, a message just for men. Um, But I really couldn't get freedom from the Lord to do that today. So I'm just going to continue with the thought process that we were gathering from and gleaning from out of Acts chapter number 13. Now, if you go in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1, you'll see the Word of God tells us about these five men that were involved in ministry. And I love what it says in verse number 3. It says, or verse number 2, I'm sorry. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, then the Holy Spirit called them out into service. I think that is very, very important for each and every one of us as we are involved in a local church. And sometimes people struggle with what their calling may be. And I think the only way you're really going to discover that is just to get engaged, just to get involved, just to get connected, and just start serving in the church. And then you'll realize what your gift set is. Then you'll realize the direction that God is calling you, and He will call you out from that. We look at Paul's life and we know that he was this great apostle Paul, the greatest church planner really that walked the face of the earth was the apostle Paul. We all look up to him as this this great man of God uh, that took the gospel literally around the regions of that area and planted churches uh, all through these different cities and countries and areas. And we look up to him as this great church planter. But you know what? To begin with, Paul wasn't that. Matter of fact, his previous life, he was... He was Saul of Tarsus. He was the one that persecuted the church. And he was the one that was uh, very much involved with the stoning of Stephen, which was the first Christian martyr. And, and along the way, as he was going to persecute the church and stop this thing called the gospel, 
on the Damascus Road, you know the story, how the Lord came to him, and there's where he had his conversion. There's where he became a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he just started serving. He just started being obedient to the Holy Spirit, obedient to God, just doing what God had called him to do, and started serving. I don't think at any point Saul, which has now become Paul, early on in his ministry thought he would go out and be this great evangelist or this great church planner. He was just a man that just wanted to be obedient to the Lord. And God used him in miraculous ways. So sometimes I think we, we get involved in church and we think, okay, what is my prominent position? Don't really worry about that. You know, I, matter of fact, I look at my own life. Whenever I'm really just sold out to God, being a pastor and then being a church planner was the furthest thing from my mind. I just wanted to serve. I remember I went up to my pastor and I said, listen, I'll be the one that cleans the church. I'll take care of the bathrooms. I'll be sure everything is ready whenever we get to church. Now, I wasn't singing. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't doing anything. I just wanted to get everything prepared so that we could come together and do worship. That's where my ministry kind of started. And then from there, God just grew me into the ministry that I have today and what I'm engaged in today. So I think verse number two is a very key verse, and I'm not going to go and glean any of that. I want you to go to the end of the chapter, and this is where I was trying to get last week and where I want to pick up today. I love verse 51 and verse 52. After they were persecuted, verse 51 says, They shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. I want to talk and try to unpack a little bit about that verse and try to share some reasons why I think they were filled with joy. But guys, you know what? Serving the Lord should be the most joyful thing we do. Coming to church should be the most joyful thing we do. And listen, guys, I know at Victory, <clears throat> we've had a season of very stressful ministry. I'll be the first one to throw my hat in and say, hey, it has been stressful. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know that I was going to make it. I didn't know that I was going to be able to sustain setting up and tearing down much longer. And then through the whole building process, it was a heavy, 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 heavy time for me personally. But I'm so thankful that God has brought us to this. Aren't you? Aren't you glad we don't have to set up and tear down anymore? Aren't you glad we're not unloading a trailer at 8 o'clock in the morning any longer? Aren't you glad now we can focus now more on ministry? But coming to church and being involved in ministry should be the most joyful thing that we do every single week. To be involved in the Lord's work and to come together for corporate worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It should be a joyous occasion. I want you to look in verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. My question is, why? Why were they filled with this joy? Obviously, we know why they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But why were they filled with this joy? I just read to you in verse number 51, they had to shake the dust off their feet. Why did they have to shake the dust off their feet? Because they were being persecuted for preaching the gospel. Look, if you will, in verse number 50. It says, They, and that's the Jews, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. So it talks about this persecution that they were under, but yet in the midst of persecution, they had this joy. They had this joy. I was talking with someone the other day, and, and they said, You know, Pastor, said, 
the most joyful time in my life is when I'm fully engaged in ministry in the church. And I would say, you know, that's exactly right. And I've got chapter and verse for that. And I shared with them the story of Paul and Barnabas out of, out of Luke chapter number 13. And I got down to verse number 52 with them. It's talked about how the disciples were filled with joy. So the question is why? Why were they filled with joy? And I've got the answer. The reason why they were filled with joy is because they were actively involved in ministering in the church. They were serving. They were doing the Lord's work. They had discovered their purpose. They had discovered their gift set. They were fully engaged in ministry. We see it in verse number 2. We see it as they go through. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 13, this is the Apostle Paul preaching his very first message in Acts chapter number 13. And I unpacked for you last week what his message was. And it says, even in the midst of persecution and doing this ministry for the Lord, the Bible says they were filled with joy. There's a difference, friends, in being a spectator and being in the game. There's just certainly a difference. There's a difference between being fully engaged in the ministry of the work of the Lord and, or just being a bystander. Matter of fact, do you realize that spectators... For the most part, they do not understand all that's involved in the game, but the participant does. You see, I'm amazed at how many of us are armchair quarterbacks on, on Monday morning. You know, we watch the ball games on Sunday and through the weekend, and then we get together with the guys and we just unpack all the flaws and we think, man, if I was there, you know what? You're, you're a spectator. Matter of fact, someone has once said that when you go to a football arena and football stadium and on the field are, are these, what, how many is on a football team? Eleven? On the field at one time. It's 11 positions, I think. There's 22 guys on the field. Those 22 guys are completely exhausted. They've spent everything they know to spend. They've left every bit of energy on the field. And sitting around are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people that, number one, aren't doing a thing but watching. They're all overweight. They're eating popcorn. They don't have a healthy diet. They need to get up and do some exercise. But yet they're complaining about these 11 or 22 that are on the football field fully giving every ounce of themselves to try to win this game. And then we gather together on Monday morning and we get with all of our buddies and we unpack everything that was wrong with that game. You know, the, you know what the problem is? The problem is we're just spectators. I guarantee you if you were in the trenches, I guarantee you if you were on the line, if you were a center or a guard or a tackle, or if you're a linebacker on defense, or you're a defensive tackle on defense, or you're a safety, I guarantee you, you would have a totally different perspective to that game. Why? Because you're actively involved and participating in the game. I'm amazed at how we can critique and criticize when we're not in the game. Matter of fact, I love a saying, it's not original with me. Matter of fact, the first time I heard it was with Rick Warren. And he says this. He said, if everybody is rowing the boat, we don't have time to rock the boat. Amen? I love that. I love that. You see, usually what I have discovered, that the complaints and the criticizing are coming from those that aren't engaged in ministry. They're just on the sideline, and they're not fully engaged in ministry. So the reason that these were filled with joy was simply because they had discovered their gift set, they had discovered their purpose in life, they had discovered the direction that God was leading them, and they were obedient to the Holy Spirit, and they set out in the midst of persecution, and they were doing exactly what God had called them to do. And God said, if we're going to be filled with joy, then we've got to, we've got to be participants. We cannot just be spectators. Spectators oftentimes don't even understand what the true goal is. But the participants often understand. 
spectators, reading some of my notes here, falsely believes that he can make a difference in the game while staying in the seats. Have you ever heard that? Boy, if I was there, or if I was the coach, or if I was the quarterback, you know, I could have made a difference there. Or if I could have pitched that game, or if I would have been up to bat, or if I would have been the shortstop, I could have made a difference. No, you probably couldn't. Hello? But you know what? That same thing transfers into the church. In the church life, we sit back and think, boy, if I was a pastor, I would do this. Or if I was the ministry leader, I would do this. Or if I was this leader or that leader, if I was in charge, I would do this. Get in here and do it. Hello? Hey, there's room for everybody to serve. Somebody say amen right there. I mean, there, I guarantee you there is more work to do in the ministry of the local church than we have people to do it. Right? So I want to encourage you. If you want to experience the joy that these disciples were experiencing, then you're going to have to get into the game. You see, I believe it's possible to participate in various churchy events or churchy things and still remain a spectator in the Lord's service. Guys, we've got to get involved. We must get connected. We must discover our purpose in life and what God has called us for. Paul and Barnabas were in the game. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, it says, As they were ministering. You see, I believe there are three things that take place, and these are the three things that I want you to jot down. I believe there are three things when you are in the game, when you are living out God's purpose in your life, and you're going exactly in the direction that you know that God is calling you. Listen, I know. I mean, I have never been more at peace with knowing that where God has called me than I am today. I know that He's called me to plant this church. I know that He's called me to pastor this church. That doesn't mean it's always been easy, but I know where God's called me. Right? And we all need to discover what our calling is in life and what our area of ministry is. We're all to be collectively involved. And when you're in the game, And when you are living out God's calling on your life and God's purpose on your life, I believe there's three things that take place. Number one, and I'm going to show you this in Scripture, I believe you will boldly declare the Word of God. When you are living out your calling, when you are in the game, when you are fulfilling what God has gifted you to be and you're using those gift sets for Him, I believe that, number one, you will boldly declare the Word of God. Look in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 46. The Bible says, Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said, It was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. Now, who is Paul and Barnabas preaching to here? They're preaching to the Jews. Okay? They're preaching to the Jews, which we know are going to reject him and his message But he's boldly declaring the gospel. Matter of fact, I shared with you last week, if you look back in verses um, 28 down through verse number 40, you'll see the three-point outline that Paul used. The first thing he shared was the gospel, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next point in his message was forgiveness. And the next point in his message was justification. And you'll see where he preached that message first to the Jews, but he boldly declared the gospel and the word of God to these Jews. You see, I believe whenever we're centered in the center of God's will, I believe out of necessity, and I believe it's just simply going to be necessary that we preach the word of God. Look in verse number 46 once again. Then Paul and Barnabas boldly said what? 
It was, what's my next word? Necessary. It was necessary. Out of necessity, I must boldly declare unto you the word of God. And whenever we're in the game, whenever, whenever we're living out our calling and we're living out our purpose and we're totally committed to God, I believe there's something within us that we're out of necessity. I must declare unto you the word of God. I must share with you what the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ says. I must share with you the principle that's found in God's word that's in relation or correlation to the event that's taking place in your life right now. I must declare unto you the word of God. And the Bible says that they did that boldly, even to a crowd that was rejecting them. Now, I want you to notice one other thing. What message were they sharing? Look in verse number 46 once again. In verse 46, Paul and Barnabas boldly said, It was necessary that whose message? God's message. It was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. You see, guys, we can't get on our own little agenda. Hello? Somebody say amen right here. Amen or oh me. We can't go around preaching our agenda or what we want to happen. We've got to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we must boldly and out of necessity declare God's message and not necessarily our message. And also the Bible says that they delivered that message, God's message, with confidence. And we see where they did that boldly. Amen? So when you're in the game... When you're actively in the game, and man, you've discovered God's calling on your life and the direction He wants you to go, I believe the first thing, one of the reasons they were filled with joy is because they were boldly declaring the Word of God. Amen? Number two, jot this one down. Not only when they were in the game living out God's purpose, they boldly declared the Word of God, but secondly, they were persistent in fulfilling God's task. They were persistent. You see, they were faced with opposition. May I remind you folks that not everyone will be excited about God's calling on your life? Do you realize that? Not everyone will be excited. Not everyone will receive your message. I want you to look once again, if you will, look in verse number 45. And then we're going to jump down to verse number 41. In verse number 45 it says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, you remember this is the part where they begged them, they begged Paul and Barnabas to declare and to preach. Keep preaching to us. And, you know, I talked to you a little bit about that last week. I never really had that happen to me. But, but it happened to Paul, Paul and Barnabas. And they were begging them to preach more of the Word of God. And then it says the whole town, almost the whole town showed up the next Sabbath. But when the Jews, get this in verse 45, I want you to see this. The crowds are coming. Almost the entire town has assembled to hear God's message that's being boldly proclaimed out of necessity from Paul and Barnabas, man, you would think everybody would be receptive to that, right? Man, they're right in the middle of God's will. They're doing exactly what God told them to do. But look in verse number 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. You see, they didn't like what was taking place, did they? And they were jealous of these crowds now that were following, not so much following Paul, but following the message that Paul was preaching. God's message and the boldness that he had 
In the face of opposition, the crowds were following, and these Jews didn't like it. They got very jealous now because they were losing their church people to this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they got very upset. Now, look, if you will, down in verse number 51. They, which is still these Jews, it says, They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. Now, not only were they jealous, not only did they make insults pertaining to them, not only did they start rumors, Oh, you don't want to follow Paul. He's, he's this lunatic. You know, all these rumors and all these insults that were being thrown at Paul. But then they said, you know what? You're out of here. Get out of our town. Get out of our district. Get out of our area. There was persecution that came because they were doing what God had called them to do. But you know what? When you're in the game, you're going to be persistent. You're going to be persistent and fulfilling the calling and the direction that God has on you. Now, Paul and Barnabas had two choices. Number one, they could give up on their participation, and they, in turn, can now become spectators. They can say, okay, we're done. All right, God, we tried this, and it just didn't work. We're faced with this opposition. There's people that don't like us. There's those that are jealous of us, and, and now they're kicking us out of town. God, God we're, we, we made a, you know, we give a stab at it. We kind of we did the best we could for a while, and, and we're just done. You ever met any Christians like that? I've met Christians like that. I've seen them come in and out of the doors of Victory Church. Then they get on fire for God, and they get in here working and serving. Next thing you know, boom, they're out. What happened? They, they were faced with some persecution. They were faced with some trials. But you've got to be persistent. Now, if you want to have joy, you've got to learn how to be persistent. Listen, Jesus said, the world hated me. And if they hate me, what? They will hate you. Now, I'm talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about a world that does not know Christ. You see, we're, we're on two polar opposites. I mean, over here you have Jesus Christ and the gospel and the salvation that's in Him. And over here you have the carnal world that is opposed to Jesus Christ. Listen, that just doesn't mix. There's going to be some persecution. So they had two choices. Number one, they could quit. You know, I'm done. Whoa, that's enough for me. I think I'll just sit back here and kind of just relax, and, and that's it. Did they do that? No, they didn't do that. What did they do? They persist. They continued. They were persistent in living out the calling that God had on their life. Now, guys, you get one or two choices as well. But if you want to have joy in your life, in the last verse, verse 52, they were filled with joy. If you're going to have joy in your life, you must learn to persist and be persistent even in the face of persecution or opposition or jealousy or insult or slanders. Oh, guys, you would not believe the rumors that have been started on me as pastor of this church over the past 13 years. I've heard stuff, I've heard stuff go all the way around and come back to me, and I'm like, where in the world did they hear that? And I've had people say, you better go put that fire out. You better go touch that. You better go correct that. You better go straighten them out. You know what, guys? If I spend time trying to, trying to straighten out all the rumors that people start about me, I can never do ministry. I just let that take care of itself. Listen, a lie will get around the world three times before the truth gets his boots on. Hello? I mean, rumors will fly. You know what? I've got to the place I don't care what people say about it. Let them talk. Amen? At least they're talking about me. 
at least they know who Victory Church is. Hello? And when they're faced with a crisis, hopefully they'll come. And I'll be the one that'll sit across from this. And I've had to do this numerous times. Those individuals that I know have slandered me and insulted me and started rumors against me. They hit a crisis in their life. Guess who they call? Hey, Brother John, you got a moment? Yeah, Brother, I always got a moment. Come and sit and share. You know what? I don't have time to put out the fires. And that's what Paul said. He just shook the dust off and went on. You see, that's what I want to do. Just shake the dust off and go on. You see, you're going to be faced with opposition. And when you're faced with opposition, are you going to quit? Or are you going to be persistent? These guys were persistent. How do I know they were persistent? Look in verse 46 once again, the latter part of the verse. It says, but since you rejected, Paul now is talking to those Jews who have rejected him, but since you rejected and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, get this, we now turn to the Gentiles. If you write in your Bibles, out beside in the margin of my Bible, I wrote persistent. They were persistent. Man, they were faced with opposition, kicking them out of town. He said, since you reject it, I'm going to the Gentiles. That's persistence. We also see persistence in another place in verse 51. I've already shared this with you. Where it says, they shook the dust off their feet against them, and they went to Iconium, the next city. You know what that's called? Persistence. And guys, we must learn to be persistent. I love 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Get this. You need to write this one down. At least write the reference down. Get this verse. In fact, all those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Guys, the question is not if you will be persecuted. The question is when you will be and are persecuted. Hello? If you're live, you, you may say, Pastor, I don't know if I've ever been persecuted. You know what you just told me? You're not living a godly life. Hello? Be careful with that. If you're living a godly life, if you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ and you're trying your best to serve Him and walk His path and live for Him, you will suffer persecution. I mean, it's inevitable. Jesus said it's going to take place, or Paul did to Timothy in God's Word. Jesus said in John 16, 31 through 33, Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? And he said, look, an hour is coming and has come when each, each of you will be scattered of his own home and will leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. In verse 33, John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Get this, you will have suffering in this world, but be courageous, I have conquered the world. He didn't say you might have suffering. He said you will have suffering in this world. And then another verse of Scripture in John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus said, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. And remember the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Guys, when we're living for the Lord, persecution is going to come. Now, I want you to get this. I want you to unpack this with me and try to visualize this. There is a doctrine out there. There is a movement out there. It's kind of called the health, wealth, prosperity movement. And they just believe, boy, if you have enough faith, you'll be a millionaire. If you have enough faith, you'll never be sick. If you have enough faith, everything's going to be perfect in your life. But you know what? That's contrary to the Word of God. Because you know what God says? If you love me, they're going to hate you. If you follow me, they're going to persecute you. Matter of fact, 
Instead of giving an invitation like this, instead of saying, you know what, if you'd like to come and be a follower of Jesus Christ, and instead of saying He's the one that would take care of all of your problems, and He's the one that will walk with you, and all that's very true, and He's the one that promises that He'll never leave you, never forsake you, that's very true, and, and He's the one that says, um, I'll supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, and that's very true, but sometimes we just focus on the positive, and that's okay, but what if we stood and gave an invitation and said, you know what, I'd love for you to come today and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but when you come, I want you to know you're signing up to be ridiculed, you're signing up to be persecuted, you're signing up that a world's going to hate you, you're signing up that your family may even disown you and hate you, are you willing to follow Christ when you know you're going to be persecuted? It's almost like we live in this easy believism type of a culture today where we want to come to church and feel good, but we really don't want to commit to Christ and go through the persecution and the suffering. Listen, if you are a child of God, living a godly life, you will suffer persecution. Maybe our invitation should be accept Christ and sign up to be ridiculed. Accept Christ and sign up to be persecuted. And then will you follow Him? You see, it's easy to follow Him when He's blessing us. Hello? It's easy to follow Him when everything's going good. It's easy to follow Him when the whole family's healthy. It's easy to follow Him when the bills are paid. But what about those moments when persecution comes? What about those moments when suffering comes? What about those moments when your own friends betray you? What about those moments when your family may disown you? You see, I've lived through all of those. What are you doing, John? You're taking this thing called Christianity way too serious. I've heard remarks like that. What are you doing? Do you really expect people to believe all of that? What are you doing? And then from there, it just keeps going on and on and on. You know what? If you want to experience the joy of the Lord, then I promise you, you're going to have to make a commitment to Christ and be persistent through the persecution that's going to come your way. Why were they filled with joy? Because they were committed. I mean, these were guys that were in the game and said, you know what, I'm committed. I am going all the way to the end with this thing. I don't care if it hair lips the devil and everybody else. I'm going with God. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm going with God. And I wonder when's the last time we've made that type of a declaration. Well, the third thing, did I say I'd be brief? I told you to ignore that, okay? Number three, jot this one down. When you're in the game, you'll boldly declare the Word of God. You'll be persistent in fulfilling God's task. Number three, you will understand the role that you have in the mission of God. Verse number 47, I want you to look there if you will, please. For this is what the Lord hath commanded us. Paul knew. He knew what his mission was. This is the command the Lord has, or this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul knew what his role was. You want to have joy? Get in the game, be persistent, and understand what your role is. I enjoy Isaiah 49 and verse 6. The scripture says, he, he says, it's not enough for you to be my servant, raising up the tribes of Jacob and restoring the protected ones of Israel. Then he says this, I will also make you a light for the nations, to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Guys, you know what your purpose is? You know what your calling is? God's called every single one of us to be the light in a dark, 
world filled with sin were to be the light. The scripture says in John 8 and 12, And Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world, and anyone who follows me would never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Matthew 5 and 16, In the same way, let your light shine before men, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Where are you? Can I share with you one more biblical example found over in Jeremiah? I don't know if you read Jeremiah much, but he was the weeping prophet. You'll read about his lamenting in the book of Lamentations. That's an extension of the prophet Jeremiah and a little bit about his life. But do you realize this is a man that was called by God and he was faced with tremendous persecution? As a matter of fact, you read over in Jeremiah chapter 20, In verse number 9, he says this, If I say I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name, his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones, and I become tired of holding it in. I cannot prevail. Now you've got to understand the setting in which Jeremiah said this. He had just been beaten and put in stocks for preaching the gospel by the chief priest. He had just received a tremendous beating. And as soon as they released him, he said, you know what? There's a fire in my bones. There's a call of God on my life. And there is nothing, nothing that will allow me to keep that in there. I must prevail. And he went off again preaching the word of God. See, guys, if we're going to have joy in our life, then I think we've got to, number one, get in the game. And when we get in the game, we boldly declare God's message, God's will for our life. We're persistent in the face of opposition and persecution. And we understand what God's called us to do. I wonder, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and musicians come if they will, please, where are you this morning? What is it that God has called you to do? You see, I believe when we become part of the game, I believe when we, as it says in Acts 13, verse 2, when we are ministering, when we're serving, when we're working, I believe there is where, first of all, God is honored because we place our faith in Him. And I believe, secondly, that God's message, the gospel, will be spread to the ends of the earth. And thirdly, our lives will be filled with joy. These disciples in the midst of persecution were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, where are you? What is God calling you to do? Are you in the game? Then if so, I want you to boldly declare the message of God. Get involved in sharing the gospel. Reach out to those in your circle of influence and minister to them. Understand that persecution is going to come. Boy, it's going to come. You know what? In the Beatitudes, it tells us to rejoice in that day. Rejoice when persecution comes. Rejoice when the slandering takes place. Rejoice when the rumors are being spread about you for the name of Christ.
chosen to suffer with him. What a privilege. What a privilege. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. Will you just simply confess your sins to him? Believe that he is God's son. He died on the cross for your sins, for the sins of the whole world. He was buried. He rose again victoriously the third day. He's now ascended back to the Father. Will you right now just do an inventory in your own heart, in your own life? Just say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let me help you pray. Why don't you just pray something like this? Say, dear God, I look at my life today and I realize that I've sinned. And I just pray that you would forgive me. And I pray you come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God. Right now, I, I want to have eternal life with you. The second part of that I'll share with you is that when you make that decision, you will be persecuted. There will be some hard places to get through. But oh, I'm so thankful that our God is faithful promise you he'll never leave you and never forsake you just keep your eyes focused on Christ and let the rumors go where they want to go let the persecution take place and you'll be amazed at the power and the joy that you have as you're going through the fires of persecution go with God let go of the world maybe you're here today and you are already a believer and you've already accepted Christ but Maybe you've struggled in this area. Maybe you've lost your joy. Boy, joy comes when we're in the game. Joy comes when we're persistent in the face of opposition and persecution. Joy comes when we're boldly declaring God's message. Joy comes when we discover exactly what it is God's calling us to do. Jeremiah was beaten for preaching the gospel. As soon as they released him, said I cannot stop there's a fire in my bones I cannot stop I must declare the whole counsel of God I must preach God's word what about you today maybe you're a believer and for some reason you've lost your way I want to invite you to bring it to Jesus today let me help you pray Father these individuals Lord I I just pray, first of all, that you would restore unto all of us the joy of your salvation. That today that is the day that we would discover the direction, Lord, you're leading us. And God, we would get in the game and boldly declare your message to a world that does not know you. God, when we do that, oppositions come in our way. Help us to be persistent. And help us to zero in exactly where it is you're leading us. We pray that you have your will and way, that you have liberty and freedom during this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. 
We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.